Yo, what's up, everybody? Since you guys all know it is tax season, I want you guys to know that today's sponsor is brought to you by Magnolia Tax Services. If you're a business owner or a high-earning individual, take control of your finances with the tailored tax planning services of Magnolia Tax Services. Their team of certified public accounts and enrolled agents specializes in maximizing savings for individuals and businesses by utilizing the latest tax laws and strategies. From complex business structures to high net worth individuals, they'll develop a customized plan to minimize your tax liability and increase your bottom line. Don't leave money on the table. Contact our partners at Magnolia Tax Services today for a consultation and get a $100 credit towards your service by clicking the link in the show notes. That's right, guys. Like I said in the beginning, it is tax season, so you want to make sure you tap in with my guys at Magnolia Tax Service today. And once again, that link is in the show notes, and now we'll get right into the show. Yo, 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 what's good, everybody? Welcome back to the greatest show on earth, the Millionaire Mindsets Podcast. I am your host, Xavier, and today I got another dope episode for y'all. But before we get started, I would like to advise all the watchers, all the listeners to please subscribe, leave that five-star rating and review. We're trying to run those numbers up so you guys could do that. If you guys find this this content and this channel valuable, give me that like, give me that subscribe button, share, do all those things. And like I said, I would greatly appreciate that. And get right to the show. So today I got a Another very special guest. I got a young man out of he's, he 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 just got here out of Nashville, Tennessee. His name is Paul Stone. What's good, bro? Welcome to the show. Appreciate that, man. Appreciate you for uh, having me here, especially last minute. Yeah, um, I'm honored to be in Dallas. Uh, honored to be here. Yeah, yeah appreciate that, man. And just getting right to it. So for the people who this may be their first time seeing seeing you or hearing you, give some brief background on yourself. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm 22. Um, I live in Nashville, Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, and I mainly build, flip, and develop uh, real estate. Uh, started wholesaling when I was in college, uh, freshman year. Wholesaling, couple months, I did my first flip uh, while I was still in school. And then um, once COVID hit, I dropped out and went full on into new construction. So before I dropped out of school, I was wholesaling, I was flipping while I was still managing, uh, having the school going on and trying to run a wholesale and a development business at the same time and also scaling that business from doing one or two deals to trying to do a lot more than that so uh once COVID hit dropped out uh completed my first new construction house probably two months before COVID hit and then seeing the process of that first house being built or those first three houses being built showed me what I needed to know about new construction so I took that and ran with it so once COVID hit, dropped out, kept on buying a bunch of lots. Um, got my general contracting license in May of last year, or April, May of last year. And now I'm building most of my, my own houses now. So it's uh, it's been a really fun ride. Uh, scaled really quickly. Uh, I don't really wholesale as much anymore unless um, it's something I just can't take on myself. But for the most part, that's what I do, new construction. Mm, that's so interesting, man, because... I know for the people that's gonna see this, you just you look so young, man. You got the baby face. You, you, oh, it's a, so, so, <laughs> so so to do all the things you're doing, it's extremely it's extremely dope. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, appreciate that. That's, that's the, uh, so talk about because you say you dropped out in uh, during the pandemic, right? C- correct. What was the what was the um, was people trying to discourage you from doing that? Because that's that's such a sensitive thing where a lot of people are dropping out of school. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think uh, humans we're naturally just like being comfortable. So right. Um, the decision was made for me to drop out, honestly, subconsciously, because I had a couple of really big deals closed. I think I, that was my first six-figure month. 
And after that happened, like, I really didn't have the motivation for school anymore. I had to keep a 3.5 GPA, which I did have. I had a 4.0, actually, when I dropped out. But having to juggle school, driving from Nashville, driving from Nashville to Alabama and back, because while I was still in school, I was driving back on the weekends to go look at the properties I had, go look um, at potential properties I'm trying to wholesale and buy, and also learn the renovation process. So I made sure I didn't have classes on Fridays uh, so I could account for that. So I'd leave uh, Friday morning, drive back to Nashville, um, and then the, the whole weekend I'll just work and then come back uh, Saturday night and I'd have school. So having to juggle all that, it just got to the point where it's either I go all in on this opportunity that I, I have that I've been given because uh, I can always come back to school later. Back school. Exactly. So yeah, that, that that's a big le- it's a big lesson in that because um, I try to tell people all the time that once you're doing something, especially you're trying to do something at great scale, you can't be like one foot in and one foot out. Yeah, 100%. you have to re- you have to really be a hundred percent all in because you're not, especially if you want those results that you're really striving and looking for. You can't be like. And that's like as you as you learn with even with school, you like I can't be have one foot in school and one foot all in this because my business gonna lack or my school gonna lack. So I gotta go all in on one, which probably I pretty I'm, you got family. You like you said you uh what's what country you say you came from? I'm from Kenya. In Kenya, and I know yeah. how is your parents as real like um uh education oriented? Yeah, so my my family was always education oriented. My mom always said that she's she's not gonna pay for college. Like it's either full ride or you gonna deal with it. So. You all, had a full ride? I did. Okay. So all of my, I've got three older sisters. They all had full rides for undergrad as well. So the expectation was already set Damn. for me to to carry carry that on. So I did have a full ride for school, which is one academic? of the reasons. Academic. Okay. Yep. Uh, which is one of the reasons why it was easy for me to drop out. Because if I was paying, uh, if I was paying for my school, if I had loans, I probably would have stuck it out. Because it's like, you know, I'm paying for it, but, um, if, if if I'm paying for it Damn. and uh, and I drop out, then, you know, that would probably not really sit well with my mom or with me, really. So not having to pay for it, it's no strings attached. Man, that, that's what's, what's, what's even more interesting about that, knowing you had a full academic scholarship, is you dropped that. I know I feel like even a lot of parents would be like, nah, you got this for a ride. You can let this opportunity go. You got to make this work. And you lend. So if you decide to go back, would you still have to uh, – had the opportunity, had a scholarship, or no? Uh, probably not. But honestly, uh, I could, I could pay for it. <laughs> he said, but, I could uh, pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably, probably not though. And my mom, she understood um, once she saw the results of what I was doing. She did, huh? Yeah, she understood. I mean, like she was like, "Are you sure?" But I was like, "Yeah, I just had my first six figure month. I, I know what I'm doing. You know, I'm, I'm a real head first guy. You know, I'm yeah. gonna jump in and figure it out." So. Mm. That's what happened. Luckily, uh, the real estate market we've been in the past couple of years has been on the upswing. So um, I was able to get extremely lucky, work hard, and get to where I'm at now. So how, how did you get in real estate? So I started, um, I knew I wanted to be in real estate in, uh, in high school, actually. So my major was mechanical engineering. And then I realized I didn't want to do mechanical engineering. So I was reading on bigger pockets and some of these other uh, real estate investment groups, not really knowing what I'm reading about, but just knew that that sort of spoke to me. So all the people that I grew up with uh, in middle school, high school, who had very wealthy family, they all owned or had something to do with real estate. So I knew I wanted to be in real estate. And when I got uh, to college, I went to a couple of meetups in Atlanta that were like young millennial, like entrepreneurial meetups. 
and there are people out there that are talking about they're doing this wholesaling thing, and they're 20 to 25 years old talking about they're making five, six figures a month, you know. And that's the sort of thing, like, you got to see it and, and know it's tangible to, to be able to do it yourself. Like, I don't think if I didn't see these other people uh, making, like I said, five, six figures a month just from wholesaling, then if I didn't see that, I don't think I'd be where I'm at today because hmm. you got to see the, the vision first. So that's really what jump-started it for me. I got in a couple of those dudes' offices in Atlanta. Um, soon after those meetings, they taught me about KPI systems, VAs, how to scale uh, a wholesale business, how to run comps, how to do all that. And I took that, and I did my first deal, actually, virtually off the MLS. Okay. Didn't know anything. Uh, my end buyer actually had to send me an assignment contract because I didn't, I didn't really know how to type that up or anything. So <laughs> he took care of me, made 8000 on the first deal, and that showed me, you know, showed me you the You said eight or 80? 8000 Oh, yeah, okay. 8000 okay. Yep. You said that showed you what? That showed me the ropes of like how to how to do a wholesale deal. Okay. You know, it might have been a little janky, but it worked. It closed. I was so happy. Like that that was the most money I made on really doing anything because I was like flipping cars and doing little stuff like that uh, while I was in school or um, yeah while I was in college or while I was in high school. So doing eight thousand on one deal, I mean that it just felt good. So especially being that young at the, at that time, that, that yep. that's a that's a switch go off right there. Like, hold it on, is. now I could, I could do this now. Exactly. Yeah, so after that, because I know now you, that's you was talking, that's when you was wholesaling at the time. Correct. And I know now you more transitioning to new construction. New construction. Correct. And why why was that, Why did you do that? So I just knew that the people I was, I was slinging these lots to were making a lot more money than I was. So I can make 5 or 10K on the wholesale, but, you know, I watch them make 100, 150 on whatever – whatever I sell them, I want, I know which side of the table I want to be on. So the first new construction deal I did, uh, I partnered with the builder. I had the land. Um, he went and got the construction loan. I put down the down payment on the loan and I told him like, Hey, show me the ropes. Like, show me when you're talking to your lender, show me how you do your pre-construction. Uh, what, what, what do you do for pre pre-construction? Show me how you talk to your subcontractors. Show me what to look for. Like, I want to know like how you're really building this house. So uh, he really showed me the play on those first three houses. We split our profit on it, and we made each like 170000 Damn. So uh, being able to do that, and that was right before COVID hit. I mean, that, that was enough right there. Like, that showed me, hey, this is what I need to do. And during that process of us building those houses, all the lots I was getting under contract that was going to wholesale, I started taking them down myself because I was like, okay, after I do this first play, I should know enough to be able to build houses on my own. And I don't mean that in the sense of being the general contractor, being the sense of being able to get the financing and be able to hire somebody else to build. To build it. So that's what I was doing um, after I did those first three houses is that I was hiring other people to build for me. And I still have other people that build some of my houses, but it's something that I've, I've been wanting to take in-house. Uh, so last year I made that step to get my general contracting license and just start doing it, mm. doing it on my own. Mm. So what the process of you getting a general contractor license, what's, what's that process like and why? Was that important for you to do that? It was really important to me because I learned that no one really cares more about your projects than yourself. So whether that's quality faltering, whether it's not hitting the timelines that you want, and most importantly, keeping it in budget, no one's going to do it better than you. And I learned that when you're only paying somebody a fee to build your house, cost plus, they don't really care what the cost is at the end of the day because it's your money. All, all they're getting paid is at 20, 25, 30,000 to build that house. 
But if you're the one that's signing the the note for that construction loan, you're gonna you're gonna want to make sure that it's done as fast as possible, as efficient as possible, and most importantly, staying within budget. So that's one thing that I was having trouble with is some of the builders I was, I was using blowing budgets. Mm. And um, as I'm learning more about the construction industry and how to build a house, I realized there are certain line items that I could really dial down and get it to where um, where it's just not as expensive. Because a, a dollar saved is a dollar earned. And I learned that, um, like I said, when you're having someone else do it for you, it's never going to be as um, as efficient as, efficient. as doing it yourself. Mm, yeah, that's... Is there... Are there any challenges being, like I said, you, you're only 22 years old. And you look, 100%. And you look very young. So 100%. It, do you yeah. feel like people try to take advantage of you? 100%. So starting out, I mean, it's uh, there's always a barrier with your age, uh, with wholesaling, going on appointments with, with with sellers, and they don't think you can actually well, close. We'll we mic down a little bit. Just, I just, so, good. So, you good. There you go. Yeah, so, like, I mean, with wholesaling, the barriers were always uh, going on appointments with sellers and saying, hey, I've got this much money to close this property. And in Nashville, a lot of the areas are higher end. So, like, you're not wholesaling 100, 200 grand houses. Sometimes you're wholesaling things that are six, seven, eight hundred thousand $800,000. So, me being me, no, I don't have this seven, eight hundred thousand 800000 in my account. But you got to act like it, talk like it, you know, and and really uh, convince these these sellers that you're capable of doing what you're, what you're capable of doing. So, that definitely is, a, there was a barrier for that. But once you're established and you have a name going on in the neighborhood or you're doing stuff in the area and people see your signs or people have heard about you, it makes it a lot easier. Mm. A lot yeah. easier. Yeah, that, I, I, I can only imagine. So at this point, it's, uh, you had your license, you said, for a year now. You've been in. How many, how many uh, new constructions have you done now? So I've got, uh, under my license, I've got five okay. that, that are, are about to be done. And I've got nine more I'm slated to start or under construction this year. Really? Um, and with that, like I said, I still have other people building my houses. So I've got a good 15 to 16 houses that other people are still building for me. Mm. What's that process like when you're building a house? Take, take us through that process from like the ground level, from like starting from oh, zero. Oh man, so like I, like I always tell people, I like to steal the dirt. So it always starts with getting the land uh, at a really good price. I mean, I liked, I always tell people, if you're bringing something to me, I'm not your first buyer. I'm the person you call when you gotta close it or you need to renegotiate it. So uh, I always like to start with getting the land at a really good price. After that, it's pre-construction. So I don't like to buy lots that have any challenges or any issues with them. Uh, so pre-construction for me is usually making sure that the lot checks out, getting a survey. And if I can reuse plans that I've used before, I will, because uh, that helps speed up my timeline. Right. But if, if not, then I'm going to engage with my architect, usually before I even close on something, say, hey, these are my dimensions, these are my setbacks. Make me a plan that works for this within this square foot range. And they'll get something back to me within a, a couple of weeks. Uh, after that, um, it's usually financing. So with me, sometimes I take the land down by itself. Sometimes I take the land down with a construction loan. Uh, I like to wrap it all in one because then I get 100% financing on the land and the construction. So once, so once I've got my, my financing in line, I have my pre-construction done, I'm waiting on my survey, uh, I'll go ahead and usually try to pull permits before I close on something. Mm. Sometimes I do that because I feel like I might get pushed back for something uh, with the permitting process. So I want to make sure before I buy this, I want to pull permits on it. So if, if I can't do it, uh, it's got to be something that's 100% a home run worst case scenario. And then after that, I mean, it's like Legos. Call my foundation guy, 
Uh, we we dig dig and pour the footers, then the block, then you call the framers, then the siding, then the windows, roughing, um, and then honestly, once you're past the drywall stage, it's 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 a walk in the park from there. Mm. But uh, really, the biggest thing uh, during the whole process is keeping everybody accountable. So keeping the subcontractors accountable, keeping the people that work for you accountable, keeping the supply houses uh, accountable, and honestly, just being really good with on-site management. Um, like I said, that's one of the things that uh, other builders faltered with a little bit. So that's why I had to take it in-house. Okay. Make, makes sense. And what's, what's been your biggest deal to date? Oh, man. So uh, I've got two deals that I would can consider probably my, my biggest deals. I had a, a two-build lot. So it was a lot that had one house on it that I tore down and built two. So I paid four fifty for the lot. Uh, and I built two houses uh, that I ended up selling for a million seven and a million five. I was each. In, uh, each. Okay. Correct. So it was one. It was one buyer actually from here, from uh, from Texas, cash buyer. Never saw the houses, and it sold during the drywall phase, pre-sold during the the drywall phase. And it was a ten thirty one. So I mean, as soon as the houses were done, it closed out. So I ended up being in that project for two million. And it sold for three point two. So after realtor expenses and everything, ended up netting a million one. Really? On a single project. <laughs> That's, and when what, what when did you do that one? That was last year. So you was you were you even twenty two at the time? Uh, I was twenty two by the time it closed, but I was twenty I was twenty when I took down the land. I took down the land February of twenty one, mm. and it ended up closing out June of twenty two. What does that feel like to accomplish something like that at, at, at 21, 22 years old? It felt good because I was actually gonna I was actually gonna wholesale that same piece of land for two hundred k. So I had it for four fifty, and I had somebody willing to give me six fifty for it. So I could have took the two hundred and ran, but I knew that uh, if I watched the 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 play through, then there was a lot bigger upside. Also, the market definitely shifted during that time. I was expecting to sell between 1.2 to 1.4, and then ended up getting two, three thousand, two to three hundred thousand dollars more than that per house. So that was definitely uh, a big part of that. But honestly, um, when I had taken down the land, I'd already completed new construction. And luxury, it's no different than building smaller houses. It's just more. It's really? bigger. And I wasn't the the builder. So the builder that built those houses was experienced with doing these luxury high end deals. So I felt comfortable at the time. See, this this the same. It, it probably the same time it took you to do all the things you were doing to close that deal is probably the same amount of time you put into smaller deals. Exactly. So it makes sense. The point I'm getting at is for the people that's listening and watching, if you want to go into business, it makes sense to go out to bigger deals. It does. So that's one thing that I do with my, with my business now is I like to chase whales. So there's nothing wrong with making 10, 20, 30 right. on a deal, but if I can spend a little bit more time to chase a whale, that's what I'm going to do. So uh, like I mentioned, I had another deal that was also pretty good during that same time frame. It closed a week after I closed that one for a million one. I had a wholesale deal that I put under contract April of 2021, 50,000 non-refundable earnest money down. And I couldn't close it till June of 2022. Market went crazy at that time, but I, I knew the price that I had it at was really good. So I was comfortable having my 50,000 non-refundable sitting for a, a year, a year and a half until I could close on it. I ended up, uh, my intention was to close on it and build it, but I ended up just wholesaling to somebody else. So I picked it up for eight fifty, and I sold it for one point two five, and it closed within thirty days. So I double closed on it, made four hundred grand. A week after I I closed uh, those other two houses. For oh, so you got one. 
Damn. <laughs> so that's one. So that's that's one point five and what? Uh, like three weeks. <sighs> yeah, definitely, definitely very humbling. Man, you make one point five and within three within a month at age twenty two. I'm gonna tell you what I would have did at 22. I, I know I, what I did. It's <laughs> 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 it in my driveway. <laughs> I see. So what you do with it? So, uh, what what did I do? So I spent five hundred thousand of it uh, investing in two other people's syndication deals for the tax benefits. So that that's five, smart. Yeah, that's the that's the first thing I did. That's smart, bro. First thing I did. Second thing I did, I bought a McLaren. I had to, <laughs> I had to. I had to man. Uh, it was it was just you know it's something you always want to do is buy your first supercar, right? And like I didn't think it would come so soon for me. And like I kept talking with my boys, they're like, "Are you gonna pull the trigger? Are you gonna pull the trigger?" Some of them like, you know, you need to do it. So I uh, saw a McLaren that I actually tried to buy previously. Um, that ended up going back to the to the dealer that I know, and I told him, "When you get that car back, I want it." I bought it out of uh, Houston, Houston, Texas. Okay. Uh, sight unseen, showed up at my door like four days later. We stayed up till like two, three in the morning, waiting on the on the transporter to uh, to bring my car, and it was it was just a crazy experience. Crazy. Mm. So the, the, that was probably like the, that was was that the only major purchase you bought you got? Uh, I put a deposit on a Urus as well. Still haven't gotten <laughs> it, but man, yeah. So all right, so so the yep. so the Lamb and the McLaren. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Those some big purchases right there. I don't. But that's you deserve it though. After doing, like I said, one point five in, in, in just a month, it, I would have, I would have wild the fuck out. Yeah, it's, Me it's hard not to. But like with uh, with development, I mean, yes, you can make a lot of money, but you're spending a lot of you're money. Spending a so lot. The down payments, the interest payments, like that one project that, like I said, made a million bucks on. The interest note on that was eighteen thousand a month by the time it closed. So you do that eighteen thousand a month. Eighteen thousand a month for the interest on on that construction loan. So you got to be able to yeah. to watch your cash flow, and and be able to manage your cash flow when you're developing these bigger deals. So like a million bucks can can go away, go away just quick. like that. I've seen it. Yeah. No. So, no. 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 You you definitely right, bro. So you definitely right. Who taught you, or how did you learn how to manage your money? Uh by not being good at managing it. So I've already been in the hole. I've, I've already over leveraged myself. And once I saw really? what I did that put myself in that position, I was okay. But there's a certain uh, spot that I don't want to be at again. Uh, and also just talking to other people in the business, like, hey, like, how do you manage uh, 10 to 15 construction projects at a time? Are you building your interest into your loans? Like, how are you managing to do it? So being able to do that, pad my budget a little bit to help take care of the interest has definitely uh, helped me streamline and get my my cash flow the way it should be every single month. Mm. So let me let me ask you this: speaking of speaking of the money part, you know this is millionaire mindset. People mm -hmm. they always want to know about the big deals, the big yeah. month. So what was your your biggest year? Last year, because I'm I'm in that uh, growth tra tra trajectory phase. So last year was was definitely my my biggest year for sure. How much did you do if you don't mind sharing? Oh man, I did just under two point six. Okay. Yeah. That's good, bro. That's yeah. good. Yeah, that's that's and that you're on a trajectory to by the time you hit thirty, you'll be doing I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> we'll right. See. I don't want I don't want to put too I don't want to put too yeah, much pressure on pressure you. On me. No, I don't want to put too much pressure on but you. But I do think uh like 2022, like I always tell people, or people know, it was an anomaly. A lot of people are making money in real estate. So I'm excited to see what happens this year. But I do have some uh, 
plays that I set up last year that should set me up well for this year. Okay. But like no, nothing is 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 given. I mean, you got to put in the work to be able to make seven figures. And even when you make the seven figures, to consistently repeat and keep on making seven figures, it might take something different from what you're doing last year. That's so, true. That's true. Things change. Industry things, change. Things do change. The economy change. Market conditions change. And you have to be able to adapt with it. Was there any, um, after hitting seven figures, was there any any um, eye-opening experiences or things that you believed that you thought that, uh, a, a conception you had that you could have been wrong about or right about based on money and then after you you know after you get it you're like well yeah. i was i was off about that one 100 percent. i will say that you have the same problems even if you're making a lot of money and not making a lot of money that's true it's just the problems that money can fix uh, mm. are fixed but you know you still go through your own personal battles you still deal with the ups and downs you know like it's it's great to have it but it's also good to be recognizing of where you came from before and know that it can be taken away from you. Absolutely. Just like that. So, I mean, it, it is good to not have to worry about a roof over your head and not have to worry about bills being paid and stuff like that. But I also know that with how aggressively I scaled my business, it is possible to over leverage and overextend yourself. So that's, that's one thing that doesn't change. And that's one thing I'm trying to be very recognizing of is not going way overboard because I could be where I'm at now. And then I could fall back six months from now, you know. Yeah, but yeah. The, but but even if that was to happen, God forbid. But even if there, if it was to happen, you know, the 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 most valuable thing you got is time on your it's side. Time, hundred percent. So I um, being able to make a lot of active income is great, but I am working on building my rental portfolio. So worst case scenario, none of my houses sell. I still have consistent money coming in every single month. Mm. So th that's one thing I'm I'm definitely uh big on for this year is expanding and scaling my rental portfolio yeah because that that's that's the that's what that's what they call wealth the true wealth yep. I, I heard somebody say they said they said rich is money and wealth is time 100%. meaning that you don't you're you don't have to do anything no more and you got abundance let's say i got enough money i could pay my bills for the next 100 years riches i could have a bunch of money but if my expenses is really high and only gonna last for two years of hard work it's like you got bread but you ain't that's not considered wealthy for 100%. real percent and i i do feel somewhat like i'm trading my my time for money right now but that's okay but that's I'm, okay though i'm young it's i've got not. the ability to go after it but this isn't something that i want to do long term i could get bored with it in 10 years you know and i want to make sure that i'm set up the way i want to be set up so i don't have to do anything 10 years from now if i don't want to mm. you see you see wait you said you you uh don't want to do this long term i'm I don't um, really I I do have some mentors that told me like hey once you're in the business 10 15 years you either want to be up enough that you don't want they don't have to do this anymore or you're gonna be so tired of it that you're not gonna want to do it anymore I love what I do right now I think I'm gonna continue loving to do uh, what I'm doing but I love traveling I like uh, hanging out with my friends I like my family I want to be able to have time for experiences and have time for those experiences I have to be not working as much as I'm working now so while I am working, I gotta work as hard as I can so I can uh, eventually call it quits at yeah. some point. Uh, I, I like the mentality, man. I think I try to get uh, people in their 20s to understand, like, man, when you're in your 20s, in my opinion, my belief is you should go as hard as possible, keep your foot on the gas your entire 20s instead of what a lot of people do is, you know, sit on their ass, party, bullshit, and then try to get it right later. I think you should try to get it right as early as possible. So then later, 
So if you got a kid, if you start having kids, a family, you can start kind of kicking your feedback a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Okay, Not completely yeah. relaxing, but just if you want to say, hey, man, I'm going to take a year off because my 20s, that whole decade I worked every day. If you want to take a year off, you can do that, and you can force to do it comfortably. But if you bullshitting, you not you, that you will never really be able to afford that opportunity. So I salute people like you. That's you, twenty two. You've been you've been mashing for a minute. So by the time you thirty, if you want to scale back a little bit, more than likely with the trajectory you're going, you will be able to comfortably do that. Cause nobody want to be fucking working twelve, sixteen, sixteen hours forever. Let's keep it real. You know what I'm saying? We all want to get to a point where we can start, you know, chilling a little bit. But you can't do that once again if you're not handling your business. 100%. So salute, salute, salute to you for being so young and on your on your shit, as they say. I'm I'm trying, man. Uh, it like people say, it always starts a strong foundation. I think uh, it does. My mom definitely instilled that work ethic in me. My first job was a grocery store. I was 14, turning 15. Uh, I was pushing carts, you know, for minimum wage, 7.25 an hour. Uh, I was working 30 hours a week. So I'd get dropped off uh, after school, go work, come back, work on the weekends. And what my mom did was that 90, 90% of my paycheck, which was like maybe 200 bucks a week or something mm-hmm. like that, 90% of that, she would put in my bank account where I couldn't touch it. Uh, the other 10% was money that I could use to do whatever. I like seeing my money grow in my bank account. So I eventually just stopped spending like any of it. Uh, and then my second job, I worked at Chick-fil-A. That was cool. It taught me... Uh, how to work with other people well. Yep. Um, I will say that uh, that was probably the most fun job I, I could have had at the time because working with my friends. But after doing that for probably nine months or so, I, I knew I wanted to start making more money. So I started uh, doing valet at 16, uh, which is probably not smart on the valet, uh, on, on the- On the company on, side. On the company side. But yeah, I was a valet at 16, but that, uh, that experience there, like being around people who are wealthy, uh, watching how they move, the cars they're driving, and really um, how uh, normal they seemed, you know? Like, you wouldn't be able to tell, like, hey, this dude's worth $50 million. Mm-hmm. Um, That showed me that, you know, there is a way to start making more money the right way. Uh, and like I said, it set a, a foundation for me. Mm, that's, heavy. Right now. that's heavy. Man, those, those you know... We got to, in society, a lot of times we kind of shit on those minuscule jobs, but those jobs teach you um, a lot, for the, especially for our peop- the people that's in the field that we're in regarding entrepreneurship. Those jobs that we never really forget because we remember like, man, I remember being here at this. I know my first job, I, work, I worked at a daycare when I was 16, and I'll never forget putting all those hours in a week for that minuscule check. It just keep. It keep me uh, with a sense of um, appreciation for everything that 100%. I do. Because I remember, like, where I came from and what I, what I started with, how much money. I think my first job, my uh, stuff was like $7 an hour, too. Maybe 6 It was, it was, it was, it was, it was no, it was no money. It was no money for real. But to, 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 to see where I came, where I led, where it led me to is, is, is everything, man. But I want to, I want to talk about real estate again for a second, just to get my listeners to game. So, if the the people that's watching, listening to this, if they wanted to become, then do what you do when it comes to uh, new builds and stuff like that. Get them some game on how they can do that from a ground level if they ain't done nothing in real estate yet. Honestly, uh, 
it I really, like the watch too, man. I uh, appreciate that. Yeah, yeah I appreciate that. <laughs> I like the watch. Hey, baby. Yeah, hey. That's so he, he he talked <laughs> to, he talked he he talked about the I was I ain't trying to get too sidetracked, but he talked about the McLaren and the Lamb. He ain't even he ain't even talk about yeah, the AP, man. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> it was it was actually around that same time frame as well. Uh, bought the car, seen a watch I really liked, have been wanting, rose gold AP. Uh, mm -hmm. Had to do it. Yeah, that that, it, that thing is beautiful, bro. It. That Thank thing you. that's beautiful, man. Thank you. But but uh, I lost my yeah. What I said what, for somebody that's listening and they want to get into construction and new build, get them some game on how they can do that. Because I know a lot of people they're gonna hear this and they're gonna be like, man, that's something I want to do. How can I do that? Honestly, uh, I would say if you, you don't have a stable W two income, I start with wholesaling. Wholesaling is is like the the start it's, of really everything. You got to get the land at a good price. So whether that's uh, you're working with wholesalers off market or whether you're working with an agent, you want to make sure you get the land at a good price and have someone who's able to help you, such as a seasoned real estate agent that also invests themselves, help you find good deals. After that, I would network with the local real estate investor associations if you have any. That was a that was definitely one of the um, one of the things that helped me out early on is that there was a real estate investors networking group on Facebook uh, in Nashville. And any questions I had, there was always people willing to answer. I'd be on there asking questions like four or five times a day. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure they got tired of my posts. But uh, there's always people that are willing to help. So you can find the local Facebook groups, the local networking groups uh, of other investors. They'll help you. They'll help you find a good general contractor or builder. They'll help you make the lending relationships because you need, you need money. You need a construction loan to build something. And they'll help you evaluate and pick out the areas that you want to be in. So if you don't know anything at all, I would start networking with local investors, uh, whether that's on or off the internet in your area. And I've noticed more often than not, people are willing to share that information. There's more than enough out here for everybody. No one ever told me, hey, you got to pay me to, for me to tell you the, the answer to this. You know, everyone in, in Nashville so far for me has been super helpful. Really? Super helpful. That's, that, that's big, bro. What's, what's your biggest regret since you've been in business? Biggest regret, honestly, not being born 10 years sooner. Just, <laughs> <man>. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, be, besides that, honestly, uh, the biggest regret for me is probably not uh, getting into new construction sooner, to be honest. Uh, although I don't think that would be possible, but uh, if, if I jumped in new construction right off the bat, like even even a year and a half, two years sooner, I, I feel like I, I could be a lot further along, but... I feel like that's uh, I feel like that's something everybody feels like, you know. Mm. But I I think uh, there's not really anything major that I regret. I mean, everything's happened for a reason. I'm put in this position for a reason, so I think uh, everything's playing out the the way it should. Mm. So from from this conversation, I'm getting that that you have a, a, a clearly like a ballsy, like an audacious mentality, and I want to ask like. Where do you get that from? Because, you know, to get into uh, new builds and new construction, that is a intimidating field for many people that's even in real estate. It it's like I could get real estate on the realtor side, wholesale side, even buying and flipping. But but building, new, doing new builds can be very intimidating to a lot of people and controlling it, it the whole project. Be. It can be. So where do you get that, that, that like, audacious? I would, I would say uh, some of the people – that um, were doing new construction that I networked with early on. And they were telling me right off the bat, start scaling into new construction. Really? Don't, don't worry about it. The money will be there. So these are people who 
they have 10, 20, 30 million loans, and they're like, after the first million, it don't even matter. Like, if everything went bad, you're sunk anyway. So why not go balls to wall and try to scale as fast as you can? For me, I'm, I'm really big on personal development and self-education. Uh, so I feel like if I get knocked down, I'm young. I'm not, I don't have any kids. I'm not really taking anything. Uh, I don't really have anything that's that risky, I feel. I'm, I'm in most of my deals uh, pretty low, which is what, you know, you, you want to do. That's what and you want to be. Honestly, I mean, it's, risk is something that, that you have to do. If you want to live the lifestyle that you want to live, want to drive around the cars you, you want to live if you want to get the next level you have to take a lot of risks yeah, absolutely humans like being comfortable uh i didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth so you know not knowing that um worst case scenario i have the knowledge to make it back that's what keeps me comfortable because i do think about sometimes like hey like how much that paying interest last month 40 50 60 000. and that's you know you can go months on end without having a closing sometimes that gets to you but you really you can't get to the next level without 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 taking any risk. If you're not willing to leave your job, uh, if you want to be an entrepreneur, if you're not willing to sign on that loan, you know, then it's not for you. No, I agree. <laughs> is this, is <laughs> it, it, it ain't for you? You know, yeah. like you you got to be okay with knowing that you're signing for millions of dollars worth of debt. Not saying to do that right off the bat. That's just what I did. But uh, it's it's a lot of risk. Mm. It's a lot of risk. Mm. That's game, bro. What speaking of speaking of debt is in real estate, obviously. So debt is something that you're fond of. You know, a lot yeah, of people try yeah, to run away from. Yeah, you gotta it. use debt is a tool. If you can borrow money at seven percent and then get a fifty percent return, keep the spread in the middle. You might as well, right? Right. So with real estate, if the bank didn't want to give me a hundred percent on construction loan, I would do a second. I would get second position funding. So the bank, for example, if it's a million dollar loan, the bank gives me eight hundred thousand. But tells me to come up with the other two hundred for the down payment. I'm gonna go find someone else and borrow that two hundred grand from. So being able to do that is how you scale without using your own money and do more projects. So that's how I scale so aggressively. Is if the bank didn't want to give me a hundred percent on the first position, I would borrow on the second position, pay them ten to fifteen percent fixed on their money when the project sells, and that lets me use my own cash, free up my own cash to float uh, construction costs and go do more projects. So mm. debt is something that you've got to be comfortable with. Yeah, I agree. You, you spoke on mentors a few times. I want to ask you this. So how does someone, because this is a common question that people ask, when they are at a level where they don't, they're not experiencing a lot of success yet, how do they get around these people that have experienced that so they could actually be able to get mentor or get knowledge from these people? You've got to reach out. I mean, like, there's there's people who come up to me in person and be like, "Hey, I didn't want to, I didn't want to hit you on on Instagram in the DMs. Cause I didn't feel like you're gonna respond." Right. Uh, and I'm I'm real big on responding to everybody. That's what really? people did to me. So that's how I'm gonna pay it pay for it, it back. So you 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 gotta reach out. You gotta reach out. Find the people, the people that are doing business, like actually doing business, provable, verifiable business in your area. And you know, if if you can't. If you can't offer them anything, just say, hey, like, could I get 10 to 15 minutes of, of your time, even if it's a phone call? And you got to be persistent. Don't annoy him, but, you know, be persistent. One of my best friends now, uh, his name is John Swift. He's a, he's a builder in Nashville. I think I messaged him, like, four or five times before he responded to me. You did? Yeah. Like, like he gave me his, his phone number the, the first time. I texted him a couple of times. He didn't respond. Text him again. He didn't respond. And then, like, the... 
the fourth time I hit him, he was like, hey, man, let's meet up. Like, I was, let's chop it up. And then we've been rocking since. So That's what's up. Got to reach out. Gotta, you, 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 the, the second thing, the follow-up. Follow-up follow is that, key. That, that I follow. mean, with people, with wholesaling, if you want to get a deal, you got to follow up. You want to get in front of somebody, you got to follow up. Mm. That's, 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 bro, you, you, you giving um you giving a, a a lot of value. And let me let me ask you this as well. So like I asked you your biggest your biggest regret. What is your biggest um let me see how I, how I could put this. The biggest your biggest L that you took in business. Oh man. Uh hmm, biggest L in business. I'd say uh there's two houses that that I was having built for me. I haven't really spoken too much on it. They're both pre-sold. Um I was gonna make like 800,000 on them. And we had some really bad storms, like tornado level winds, that uh, basically made these houses a, a loss. Like I gotta tear them down and rebuild. So uh, I, was, I was actually on vacation when I, I got that call and I'm like, man, like, I was kind of looking forward to that payday. Kind of, kind of, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's something. So that was, I'd probably say that. So now I'm, I'm dealing with, uh, I'm dealing with builder's risk insurance. Uh, they're, they're saying there's structural engineers out, da-da-da. But, I mean, like I said, that was a pretty big payday I was, I was going to have. I was supposed to have uh, in, the, in the next couple of months. So I got to plan accordingly. How do you but, deal with that when you have L's like that? Honestly, there really wasn't anything I could do. I just got to – now I know. Talk it up. Yeah, now I'm going through the process of what it's like dealing with insurance. So if it happens next time, now I know. Everything's a learning experience. I will say I'm thankful that I have multiple houses going on at a time because what if that was my, my only project I had going on this year? Mm. Then, you know, that's my only payday gone. Yep. So making that's one of the reasons why I had to scale so aggressively. So worst case scenario, if you're throwing 100 darts and one of them don't miss, that's okay. You got 99 more of them. Yep. But if you got one dart that you really, really, really needed to hit and it don't hit, what are you going to do? <sighs> Back to the back to the whiteboard, huh? Back to the whiteboard. Mm-hmm. So. Mm, that's big. What's your biggest, the best, the best piece of advice somebody's ever given you? Best piece of advice someone's given me. Uh, honestly, uh, the best piece of advice I've been given is what I was speaking on before. Take all the risks you can while you're young. <clears throat> really, I mean, like you're in good health, you have time, you don't have kids, don't have dependents. You gotta take risk. You do. I'd, I'd say, and that's something that stuck with me. That stuck with me when I was signing on the two million dollar loan on those two houses that I made a million bucks on at the end. I was, I was nervous as hell. Like the the day before the closing, like I was thinking, like man, like I don't know, I don't know if I want to do it. Should I? I was I was actually about to hit the person up that I was gonna wholesale to. Like hey, like you still want to buy it? Like, I'll just close <laughs> on it and then resell it to right. you. Yeah, I'm serious because when I when I closed on 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 the construction loan, I already had closed on the land. So I closed the land with hard money and then refinanced into construction loan. So during that time period, I was like having second thoughts. Like, really? This is two million dollars. Like I ain't even seen two million dollars. I don't even know if I'd seen five hundred thousand dollars at that time, you know. That's a lot of money to be signing on the dotted line for, personally guaranteeing it, you know. If I don't pay it back, they're coming after me. So I'd I'd say uh Gotta be comfortable with risk. You gotta be something. Gotta I wanna, risk. <clears throat> I wanna double down on something you said, <clears throat> and that's because uh, I want people to understand. Once, once you're young and you're not being risky, you you missing out on a huge opportunity to play a bid. Because as you as you get older, 
your risk tolerance naturally goes down. Because even me, I'll speak from personal experiences. I'm 29 now. I'm not nearly as risky as I was at 24. At 24, I, shit, I would have fucking put my whole bank account on an investment on just with, with no second thoughts about it. And I'm still very risky now, but it's completely different because now I got a family. I have a kid. Gotta I can't have right that. Way. I got to move. I can't have that. I can't put all my eggs into one basket because it go wrong. It don't, it don't just affect me anymore. You know what I'm saying? Now it affects my whole family, my my daughter's well-being and all those things. So, But being risky early on is what propelled me to be in these positions. So what I'm saying for the people that's listening is if you're young, you're under 25, you're under 28, be very, 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 especially if you don't have a family, be very, very risky because even if you take L's, those L's are going to be lessons for you. It's going to be big lessons, you know what I'm saying, that you might have to learn anyway as time goes on. So yeah. it's important to do those things while you're young, in my opinion. Just take advantage of that, that, that opportunity you have, and that's time. Like, that's, the, that's, the, that's, that's like you said, that's the best piece of advice somebody gave you. That's really the best piece of advice you could really give anybody that's young. Like, just go fucking hard. Take a lot of, lot of risks. Because worst-case scenario, if you still, if you fell a lot, you still on the 25, you got your whole life to get it. You still, you know what I'm saying? You got your whole life to get it right. <clears throat> and this, this is my uh, final question I got for you. People, when they hear people like you talk and they hear your story, they, they to learn more about you and learn things you learn, they want to know what the hell is he reading? What, what, what's, what education he's getting for him to think like this? So uh, my question is, name your top three books. Man, um, Grant Cardone has one. I think it's like The Power of the 10X. 10X Rule? Yeah, The, the okay. Titanic Rule. That's a good one. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that's a staple. Yep. I mean, like, I feel like if that that book by itself should open up the door so you can start reading other stuff. I agree. Uh, and another one, um, uh, I, I can't remember. It's, uh, I can't remember. But, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's a whole lot of them I've, I've read, but there's a third one that stuck out to me that I can't recall. But, yeah, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and, and the... The 10x book by Grant Cardone mm. for sure. Are you big into um, like self education? I am. I am. So I mean, I'm I'm always wanting to know how to do something better, uh, how to better myself, because I I feel like you know if you're not the best version of yourself, that you're if you're not putting out the best version of yourself, then you're doing yourself a disservice. disservice. You are doing yourself uh, a, a disservice. Hundred percent. No, no, that, that, that's that's big, man. But before I let you go, man, I want to say. I want to, I appreciate you taking the time to get my listeners to game, bring a lot of value, man. This is dope, man. I love to see all the things you're doing at such as at such a young age, man. I'm looking forward to see what you're gonna do in the future for real. But before I let you go, plug all your stuff where people can find you, follow you, like everything. If they want to <laughs> D, they want to DM you, send you, send you oh, a man. question, all those things. To, uh, plug all your stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, if y'all want to follow me on Instagram, that's what I'm on the most. Instagram. My uh, handle is Paul, P-A-U-L-S-T, the number one, then X, Paul, S-T-1-X. I'm also on TikTok. It's uh, Paul the Builder. I'll be posting more on, on there as well. <laughs> yeah, Paul the Builder. That's a, that's catchy, man. Paul I like, I like uh, you should stick with that one. You should make yeah. that little, yeah, I like that one, man. But uh, like, like I said, again, man, I appreciate you taking the time to come on. Like, this was dope, man. Like, like I said, I'm really going to be tapping in with you. Looking forward to see what you do in the future, man. I wish you nothing but the best moving forward, for real. And uh, but, you, but you guys can follow me on all platforms of wrapping up. 
at Xavier. I'm at the official Xavier Miller on Instagram. The Millionaire Mindsets is everywhere on all platforms, TikTok, Twitter, uh, YouTube, like I said, IG, all those things. You can tap in with us. And that's all I got for y'all in this episode of the Millionaire Mindsets podcast. See you guys next episode. Peace. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit Trying to learn some game, Xavier gonna talk about it No Deanna, speak that shit that everybody vouching Ain't no more excuses valid, get up off the couch and get up in your bag To your bank account, need an accountant